Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. Thank you for sending that dump picture. Uh, I (laughs) crushed 10 hours of sleep last night. I actually went to bed at eight. I was so tired and I hadn't been sleeping very well. And my superpower of sleep in the last few years has gone away. Meaning if I get up or if I get called, I can't fall back asleep in 15 minutes like I used to. That's why you've become grumpy. Yeah, yeah. About that's one of the reasons, up by text. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, you, you fuckers text me and then I get called by my residents. I was up and I'm uh, doing a presentation on Wednesday. So I was working on it. And, uh, and usually I'm on the can 20 to 30 minutes after waking up, like drinking coffee, but I'm like working away doing stuff. And then Bruce sends a picture of him to the washer. I went, Oh my God, I haven't taken a shit yet. Thank you for reminding me of my bodily functions. No problem. Probably warmer where you were, although it's, it's gorgeous here today, but I had to, again, remove the frost off the seat before I got the production going. Yeah. My voice is kind of growly this morning too. I'm trying to be a little bit quiet. Marnie's still sleeping, and as you know, the cottage isn't huge. So, <laughs> Plus, did you say there's not enough rye in this place? That's good. <laughs> yeah. no. I guess we hear what we want to hear. <laughs> it's February 2023. This is episode 52, Tipping. This is the Snow Day Podcast with me, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. Cool, I should have done this a lot sooner (laughs) when I still looked good in a Speedo. Speaker, author, and no fixed address, Stephen DeGroot. Is there like a level of embarrassment where you're like, I'm a doctor and I let this get away on me? Uh, Is there any like judgment or shame in that? Or did like Child Protective Services call you when you- Our Snow Day family doctor, George Alvarez. Like, I look at the guy while I press zero. Like, fuck off. Are you kidding? I don't blame the guy. Like, he's got a, he, he took a punt. And the newlywed, Leslie Hansen. The term tipping is not, you know, just the tip, as Steve used to say in college all the time. Episode 52, I think. You don't know. I don't know. (laughs) You have no idea what number we're on. (laughs) I don't. You know, I thought it was 53 as I was going to actually work on one that was going to be 52. It was called Loose Ends with uh, the rest of the studio stuff and the concert stuff. I started working on it and then we scheduled this one. So that that could have been 52, but that'll have to be 53, I guess. There's a chance that I'll get the, the last part of the studio one out one year after we recorded it, <laughs> which is not. Well, you're on top I of things. Six, I have six weeks. It could happen. Yeah. My check-in, fellas, I'm going to start, and I'll be curious to see how George made out. Dry January was probably the biggest news between uh, when we last talked, which was New Year's Eve, and now, so we're about six weeks later. It's the 12th of February right now. Not too much to say on that, other than it was a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be. It was, and, and that probably totally feeds into George wanting to do an alcohol pod, which I'm still not ready to do. But uh, even though we've done a couple dry Januarys before, it was just, uh, I don't know if it was cold and dark in Thompson or what, but uh, we had a few urges blasted through the month and uh, super, super glad I did it. Other than that, it's it's, win- it's winter in Thompson. We're madly trying to book a spring break trip, but uh, it's expensive to go anywhere right now <laughs> and and hard to find good flight times and all those things. I don't know if you guys are looking at doing any kind of trips, but especially when you, when you layer in a drive from Thompson, that means another sort of one day on each end and a little bit more logistics where... We're scrambling. So we did get in touch yesterday with a friend of the pod, Debbie Foster, and there's a chance that we're going to make a run out to Florida. Oh, right on. To, yeah. Nice. To right see on. her and Dan. The All-inclusive, obviously, is an easy one, right? That's what lots of people do, but it just wasn't quite landing. And Marnie found an ATP tennis tournament in Miami, so like a lead-up to the U.S. Open or something like that, where uh, where lots of the stars will be, and the Canadians like OJ and oh, uh, cool. Dennis Shapovalov were there last year, so there's a good chance they would go again this year. Um, so we might go watch a bit of tennis and hang out with Debbie for a couple of days. So that's wow, cool. that's what we're madly trying to line up. You're going to Miami for spring break, is what you're I saying. Guess, yeah, I guess we're going to Miami <laughs> for spring break. <laughs> that was a long way to say, I'm going to Miami for spring break. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You're yeah. like a true college kid. Yeah, yeah which I've yeah. never done before. I'm in nice. my 50s, I'm finally going to the beach for spring break. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that makes the year that makes the year to getting to the podcast really short when you think when you say it that way. <laughs> yeah. No wonder it took him a year to get the podcast. <laughs> I'm finally going to the beach at 52. <laughs> That's where everybody's been going. Yeah. Oh, oh, this is cool. I should have done this a lot sooner <laughs> when I still looked good in a speedo. <laughs> when my back didn't hurt. <laughs> Lester, I think you got a you got a trip on the go. Was that did that one bounce through the chat? We're uh, heading to Mexico. What is it next week? So that's on the on the horizon for us. Get a little beach time in. Get some sun. It's been miserably gray in Toronto. Beautiful day today, ironically, but it's been miserably gray here for most of the year so far five six weeks since uh christmas so looking forward to getting some sunshine looks looks Not like you lot. got a haircut or did you just slick it back for the party? no no i just got my hair's just wet i just got out of the shower <laughs> I, I i tried to you know prepare myself for you guys i want to look good on the pod actually i was just trying to wake myself up a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> george prepared himself we saw the picture five yeah. minutes before the pod <laughs> <laughs> what else georgie what have you been doing how was your dry January? Uh, for her, first of all, I didn't realize you and Marnie were tennis fans. Yeah, Marnie's, Marnie's a huge tennis fan. Hardcore. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I knew that. I think I did dry February and January, like where I picked 28 <laughs> days. I'm not certain. I worked, I worked two weeks, so I know that I didn't drink for two of those weeks. Um, so I think I did it. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a great checkup. It's, uh, it's going to sound bad, but it isn't bad. So I had to take uh, my daughter to the emergency department for the first time in my life. I had to bring her to oh. the emergency department and, uh, she ended up having like quite bad strep throat. So uh, as you know, um, teenagers and children are very, very stupid and they don't <laughs> listen to advice. Uh, and so she gets a viral illness at her volleyball tournament last weekend, I've been telling the kids, like, I know restrictions are done, but there's still, you know, infectious diseases going around. You guys got to be careful and stuff like eating out of the same popcorn bag. And sure enough, she ends up getting a viral infection and she's been home from school for most of last week. And uh, she was making a, like, she was rallying a little bit. And then on Thursday, she calls me at work and she says, dad, I need to go see a doctor. I'm really sick. I'm way worse than yesterday. So I ended up bringing her to the emergency department. And uh, she was so dehydrated, they couldn't get an intravenous in and they swabbed oh, her throat. Indeed. And I looked in her throat before she left and she clearly had like yeah, purulent tonsillitis <laughs> ended up being strep throat. So um, it was it was very weird because I can't remember the last time being on the other side of the aisle, like why I'm not the person, uh, you know, doing <laughs> the talking and the business. And it was a, it was a very nice exercise uh, in humility for me, where I just had to be quiet. Like people knew who I was. I literally came from work. So I'm dressed in like a, looking like a doctor with my ID <laughs> and my pager. Cause I'm on call that day. <laughs> and I had a buddy of mine, wow, what a colleague a cool of mine cover. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was, and she's obviously much better with some antibiotics, but that was kind of a very interesting. So I have a question for you, Jorge. <laughs> when your daughter shows up at the emergency department, does she wait in line? Uh, I greased <laughs> it a little bit. Uh, I did. Yeah. I obviously took the advantages that I had and luckily it wasn't particularly busy. I don't know if it, it is at other uh, provinces, but you can actually log in and they will tell you the wait times yeah, at yeah. each, mm. yeah. at each emergency department. Yeah. And, and then if you're, if you're in Toronto, then you choose <clears throat> to not bother going because the wait time is like 40 hours. <laughs> It's just a disincentive <laughs> to go back home. But it was a very yeah. interesting, like six hours of my life, right? Between getting yeah. called in the early afternoon to, you know, turning to my colleague Juan, you need to cover for me. My daughter's sick. I got to take her. And I knew immediately when I walked in the door, I'm, I can't walk into a walking clinic or go see your family doc because you can't see family doc same day anyways, is I knew I had to go to the emergency department to get like lab work done and blah, 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 and, you know, get the prescription. So, uh, you know, it worked, I guess, the way it's supposed to work. You know? Were you kind of embarrassed? Is there like a level of um, uh, embarrassment where you're like, like, you know, uh, I'm a doctor and I let this get away on me? Uh, is there any like <laughs> judgment or shame in that? Or did like Child Protective Services call you when you got home? 
<laughs> well, yeah, well, she's not in my custody anymore. Right, so right. that's what you're asking. <laughs> that's right. Oh, let's go there. You'll only be seeing her uh, every second weekend. But a good question. I actually made a point of talking to the Emerge doc. Because yeah, yeah. he's like, oh, Dr. Alvarez. Because yeah, I, yeah. I knew exactly who he was. He was my resident, you know, like 10 years ago. And uh, I made a conscious effort not to diagnose my daughter. Like I said, I, I wanted somebody that wasn't me yeah, yeah. because I had, because of course I deal with a, quite a different population of people and my mm. mind goes elsewhere. Mm. And so I made sure that I reeled it back in. Yeah. But uh, my, my second question is, um, I mean, you looked in you, strep throat's pretty generic, right? You looked in her throat and you knew she had an infection in her throat. Could you have just written her a prescription yourself for penicillin? So you could have skipped the ER. You could have looked at her throat and said, okay, go to the pharmacy, get some amoxicillin, erythromycin. What'd she get? She got amoxicillin. The, Look at the that. Issue, I could have though, fucking diagnosed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I could have, except I didn't have my stuff. And in this case, you, I needed to prove what it was because it depends how long you treat it because yeah. untreated strep throat well, at one time was the major cause of rheumatic heart disease on earth. And it still is. And so there's a few things. Yeah. You wanted to swab it and culture it and know for correct. sure. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be, I had to, cause it also could be a mononucleosis and she had a really yeah. sore ear and a really stiff neck. So I started thinking, oh, does she have viral meningitis? So there was a few things. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, she like, that I need to go see somebody and she yeah. was better the next day. So I didn't want to be like, no, no, everything's okay. I'll just give you antibiotics and we'll go on our way. Yeah. Like I wanted to be like, yeah, okay, we're going to. You were the responsive father. You were the responsive loving father. Yeah. So I didn't really do dry January in February. <laughs> I don't think I did. Uh, I, I certainly didn't drink very much. Uh, and then I, uh, I experienced our healthcare system from the other side. And I'm trying to remember the last time. I've actually used our healthcare system and I'm blanking. When she phoned you and said, I need to see a doctor, did you say like, you know what I do, right? Like, was there that conversation? <laughs> like you're talking to one. <laughs> you're an orthopedic surgeon. I mean, it's... That's what I heard in the last That's podcast. why she knew you, she couldn't treat her throat. <laughs> what, uh, what, do you, what do you got? I've not been as full as I was last night. Where are you, Steve? Are you in Winnipeg? No, I'm in here? Toronto. I'm in Toronto. But anyway, last night I just... Oh, yeah. Like he's a cook, he's a chef and it was, it was amazing, but I was full and I was like, like everything was so big, the portions, I just kept eating them and eating them. And then my stomach was ready to burst. He's like, Oh, I hope we save some room for baked Alaska. But it was like, everyone had four servings of baked Alaska in their own bowl in front of them. Oh, and I'm God. like, Oh, here we go. And yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I can't remember the last time I baked Alaska. Yeah. So needless to well, say, because I, we don't live in 1984. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last time I had baked Alaska might've been in Thompson. At yeah, the, like in the eighties. Uh, the head frame. At the head, the, frame. The head frame. I was trying to remember yeah. what the good restaurant was. In <laughs> the, head, the head frame. Yeah. We had it for my 13th birthday. Yeah. Oh. I remember that. <laughs> remember when my mom let me invite a whole bunch of friends yeah. when I turned 13 and we went to the head frame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Baked Alaska there. In fact, yeah. that might be the last time I had it. The one and only time. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It was delicious. I mean, it was amazing, but it's only Well, it was sure fucking fun when you were 13 years oh, old. Yeah. That's a, uh, <laughs> yeah. We got to drink Grand Marnier for the first time ever. <laughs> Snapped up on dessert. Yeah. That was the beginning of the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Big time. Now I'm like, hey, don't set that shit on fire. I want to drink it. <laughs> I want to drink it. What a waste. <laughs> trying to write my book that's been that's that thing you see behind me is the the latest algorithm icon uh went out to experience the cold in i've never been uh in ontario when it's been minus 41 without the wind chill so it was a it was a solid minus 41 north of toronto we're at Catherine's family's cabin and uh yeah it was it was something else man and of course because it was it's that humidity in the cold it's a uh, it's devastating, but what's incredible is they have a, it's a pretty big cabin and, uh, anywhere 10 feet from the fire in the cabin was a uh, plus five degrees. So it was cold and then, but it broke and by 24 hours later, it was uh, minus one. So it like it, 
it warmed up by 40 degrees and I just thought, that's not good. Doesn't matter. <laughs> just That's just not a good thing. Uh, so yeah, so I've just been bouncing around, uh, working on the book and doing some really cool things with uh, physicians lately. That's been really fun. George has been on my, my heart and my mind lately. Um, Steve, if you're in Toronto at the end of March, actually what Marnie and I are trying to line up is a, a one-day layover in Toronto so that okay. Les can take me out for my birthday. So if you're there, you can, oh, wow. you can chip Jeez. in on that too. <laughs> you can buy the baked Alaska. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Please don't set it on fire. <laughs> just give it to me in a cup. We'll just drink it. George, you brought the topic of tipping. So you get to introduce it. Why is this bothering you as an old man? Yeah, well, I mean, this is just one of many things that bother me on a daily basis. (laughs) (laughs) It just, I I just, you know, I'm a contact expert, right? So I could just, anything bothers me. True. I think, I think it's fair to say that tipping has been coming up a lot lately in the last few months and maybe even a couple of years, especially with the post COVID and how so many um, workers in the service industry, we started to realize how important they are. And I'm interested in people's thought on if businesses or government their wages a little bit onto us vis-a-vis through tipping. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about, but in particular, the reason why I wanted to talk about is Les sent me a pretty funny meme, I guess a few months ago, where it was something along the lines of it's 2030 you're at your barista to get your latte and he hands you over a payment uh, that says 75 percent 100 percent or 150 percent tipping and you meekly put in 75 percent and you're embarrassed <laughs> you know and the joke obviously was that you know tipping is getting out of control and in particular all of these electronic payment systems have the ability to automatically add tipping. And then shortly after that, I, uh, I've been, you know, pick up pizza for the kids takeaway and they got the new Apple system. And on there, they wanted me to tip them for me picking them, pick up the tea. And I was like, you have to, like, I press zero. Like I look at the guy while I press zero, like, <laughs> fuck off. Are you kidding? I don't blame the guy. Like he's got a, he, he took a punt. But, you know, there was a time I would tip the person who, you know, spent his gas money and his car to deliver a pizza. But there's no way I'm tipping you for spending my gas money to pick up the pizza. So that's why I wanted to talk about, you know, tipping. And if people thought uh, it's maybe not getting out of control, but being t- people are being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Uh, because especially with what we've recently gone through and how the focus has been on the service industry and how many people have walked away from that industry and they're having a very hard time populating it back. Yeah. They probably should have paid them more uh, in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it's, this is such a layered topic, but I'm with you, George. I've always had a problem with going to pick up takeaway and being slid the machine and having to tip somebody who literally, you know, took the pizza out of the, like whatever it is, it's just, it's just harder in that. Like they hadn't spent the whole hour, three hours serving, you know, and interacting and, and stuff. I also think I remember I was offended the very first time I saw like 20% as the starting thing, like on some machines, like 20% and then higher. And it's like, like what, like, where's, where is the, you know, and and I kind of get it, but I remember just feeling a little bit annoyed because we're also, you know, that's the amount on top of the tax, right? So we're already paying in some places, you know, 12 to 17%. <laughs> and we're tipping, our tip is is part of the tax, right? It's been, it's been buffered. Um, so that was my initial, my initial thought. But then, and I'll leave it at this. I think we should be less concerned about what we're tipping, we'll stay on the tipping topic, but more concerned about how things, how much things have been marked up, even before pandemic. That we're okay with going out to pay five times as much for a steak that we could cook at home, but we're we're struggling to leave the person that spent three hours serving us uh, and taking shit from people twelve dollars, <laughs> right, thirteen dollars. <laughs> so I know sometimes I think our focus is a little bit off. But anyway, that's a that's my out of the gate uh, share. Lester, you go out more than I do. You get to you get to go next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Well, well, it's interesting because I think they, uh, I think both of you just touched on. You know the the term for what we're seeing, 
uh, is referred to now as tip creep. And tip mm-hmm. creep is the fact that the expectation on tipping has the amount is going up and the number of places where you're asked to tip is going up. And for me, I find those two things very different, right? Like it's one thing, you know, remember when, when we were young, right? When we probably first started paying our own bills as like whatever, teenagers, whenever you started paying for your own, first time you paid for your own food in a restaurant, we tipped 10%. Do you remember tipping 10%? And yeah. I remember when, when sort of like the natural expected good tip went from 10 to 15. I was like, wow, we actually no, we tip 15% now. If you tip 10%, that's, you know, you're kind of short shafting the, uh, the waiter, right? Now it's gone up even more. And it's like, holy shit. And that's why I said that meme to George, you know, in the future, are we going to be tipping 100% of the bill, right? But I think for myself personally, I have less of a challenge accepting that the amount of the tip is going up than I do accepting the places I'm being asked to tip. And uh, that I think yeah. is where, yeah. where I become grumpy old man like George. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, why are you asking me to tip in this situation. And I have a perfect example because it, it, it's not only um, all of a sudden you're, you're prompted to tip, right? Because George, you nailed it. It's the fact that there's electronic payment systems at the counter everywhere now. And the person just enters it, spins it around and faces it to you. So you have to actively choose to not tip, you know, starting the place across the street from me starts at 18%, right? 18, <laughs> 20 or 22%, you know, on the cup of coffee that I poured myself, <laughs> right? <laughs> when I, when I turned to pay for it, but the place across the street for me is a perfect example. It's part restaurant, takeaway food, and it's also grocery items. So we live in that place. We go run across the street there all the time, grab eggs, grab whatever, grab food. So I find that if I go there and I'm ordering a breakfast burrito and I stand there and I watch the guy make it, you know, whatever. And I say, okay, I'm taking this away and I never used to tip on, on takeaway, but at least I can get my head around. I'm watching the guy make it right. And I go, okay, somebody is doing work. It's not the waiter who brought me the food, but the cook is still doing work. The chef back there is making it. Somebody's doing work. So I'm tipping on a service. But the same thing happens if I run across the street right now and go buy a dozen eggs. And it's like, you know, I get to the counter. It's the same thing. It's the same machine that they spin across. And I have to actively choose to not tip on grocery items. And it's like, okay, this is getting crazy. Like this this is is changing the entire paradigm, right? (laughs) Because I'll tell you, Alex... Alex and I talk about this. We talk about this. If you're going across the street to Fruitful, you have to be strategic, right? If I want a breakfast burrito, which I might go get, if I want a breakfast burrito, but she also wants me to get some groceries, I got to do two separate trips because I got to tip on the burrito. But if I bring it all to the cat, now I got to tip on the entire amount and it's a fucking percentage. So I got to tip, you know, I want to give, you know, $2 on my burrito, but I've also got $30 worth of groceries here right? At 20%, it's going to be another... So I'm basically tipping $8 on a breakfast burrito that probably costs $10, right? It's like, you got to be careful. You got to like fucking bust up those trips. We go back and forth a lot (laughs) because of that, because I don't want to tip on the whole grocery counter amount. I think the other thing that gets, that's gotten washed away is you used to tip to inspire good service, right? Like that was a good waiter. I'm going to give him a good tip. I was reading something yesterday that was saying that most people, like 80, 85% of people when they're surveyed, most people actually tip the same percentage all the time, right? I believe that. Most people, yeah. I'm either, I'm a 15%er, I'm a 20%er, that's it. So the whole, the whole idea of I'm going to tip you well to incentivize you to do a good service for me has kind of gone yeah, out no, the window. I'll, I'll, I'll say right? I don't, I literally every single out of the, other than the takeaways, if I'm at a restaurant less, I yeah. tip based on my experience. As you should. Like, As you totally, should. Totally, totally. Right? The term tipping is not, you know, just the tip, as Steve used to say in college all the time. <laughs> the term tipping <laughs> oh, actually yeah. comes from, from the words to inspire promptness. Yeah. And it comes from uh, the tea houses in England in the 18th century, where there would be a little bowl in the back that said to inspire promptness. And if you walk back there and put whatever, a penny or shilling, whatever the hell people were using to pay for things like that, if you put it in the bowl, they would serve you first, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole concept of tipping was like, I'm going to 
spiffy a little bit and I'm going to get better service. But I feel like that's just gone now, right? That's the part that kind of annoys me because now I feel like I can't participate, right? Like I'm not actively like, it's like the tool has been taken away from me. I can no longer go, you know what? I'm going to go in this place. I'm going to be a good tipper and I'm going to get good service the next time I come back. I feel like that's kind of been taken away from me and I miss it. It's become the wishing well. It's become a wishing well. Yeah. You're just going to throw yeah. the throw throw the 22% in and then hopefully that something happens. Yeah. So I think that's my I think that's my my gripe that the concept has changed more than the amount going up, which I like what Steve was saying, the cost of everything we do is going up and I can kind of just absorb that more easily. But the the manners in which we're being asked, like the places and the manner in which we're being expected to tip has increased so much and that's what I I find challenging. What's now, the tipping you, culture in Thompson, Bruce? Well, this finally crept its way to me probably like <laughs> way longer than you, but it's the exact same story. So as you know, Harold and I go to Quiznos once a week. That's our thing. And we order online, which started in the pandemic, but it's fantastic. So it's ready when we get there or else we take it away and we eat over <laughs> Zoom, right? Depending on how our day's going. And you can't make your way through the app without doing a tip thing. So you can't place your order unless you decline a tip or yeah. give them a tip, whatever it is. And and that I mostly don't, honestly, because it makes me mad. It's the same as what you're saying. Like, okay, not only is there not somebody at the front of the store taking my order because I'm sending it electronically, <laughs> but it's a takeout sandwich that I'm now coming to pick up. Like, it's just absurd, right? So, but that's when I thought, okay, this has gone too far where it, it basically, bo- same thing, the app bullies you to, yeah. to, to be involved with that. Just one point on on apps, Steve, George, I know you're both like me, order a lot of food using online apps, skip the dishes, Uber Eats. All of those apps ask you to tip the driver before the guys deliver the food. Yep. And I tell Alex, this is like, like one of my huge pet peeves. I am not going to commit to a tip to food that has not been delivered. Is the guy going to bring me a pizza that's like prompt and nice and hot? Or is he going to bring me a pizza that's obviously been upside down in the back of his car and is also, right? I'm like, because you can't get the tip back afterwards. (laughs) And on a couple of them, you can't add a tip after the fact. Because I used to be like, oh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to put in zero tip. And then after it's delivered, if I get good service, I'll go back in and I'll edit and I'll do it. Can't do it. So you either have to commit to tipping before the service has taken place (laughs) or you can't tip. Yeah. Do you know why that is, Les? Why? I think I, I have a theory, uh, especially during COVID, is the drivers will take your order just like an Uber will take your order based on your tip. So Megan mm. and I have figured out mm. that if you don't tip, you wait longer to get your food delivered. Yeah, I don't like it's think very that's noticeable. correct, but I'll have to research that. Yeah, I've heard that about Uber, George. I've heard that about uh, the five star process and the the tipping. You know, the whether you give a good review, whether you give five stars. It's funny though because some people say before I even get out there, uh, yeah, I'm, I've given you five stars, uh, Steve. Right before, like at the end of the the ride, right? And like it's like all of a sudden yeah. I'm like I gotta. But I, I do find it interesting that Bruce, you know, how do your subs taste? Like if someone's taking the order and they see no tip, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> while they're making it. But but you know, the other thing is it's embarrassing for me, you know, guys, because I care obviously a lot about everything. Um, but there's a place where we go to get Indian food here. And same thing, right? Like they spin the machine, but it's an awkward machine that I actually have to ask the guy to put yeah. in no tip. <laughs> like, and it's just, it's just, it's They're terrible. They're making it harder right? and harder. It's, yeah. Like it's so, it's so hard. It's not easy. You can't hit yeah. cancel. You can't hit this. And then they turn it around. And I remember the first couple of times, like, oh uh, yeah, yeah. $2. Like, and I'm thinking, what the, what am I doing? Right. <laughs> and now I got to say, yeah, no tip. Yeah. Right. Because. But then you get this moment, <laughs> like George, like, you know, you're looking at them and pushing the button, right? Yeah. With that kind of confidence. And I'm kind of like looking down going, yeah, why am I feeling bad about this? So it's, it's like- tip it's shaming. Not like, yeah, it's yeah, tip shaming or that right? tip creep. It's just like, I feel like an obligation that I have to do this, right? There's a place right next door to me here where they do that, you know, they enter it and they spin it around and the screen is enormous. So yeah. two or three people behind you in line, 100% can see what you're doing. And I'm like, man, that is so smart. Like they've got this yeah. figured out. Nobody Nasty. is going to press the five buttons Nasty. to get back down to zero. Everyone's just <laughs> defaulting. Okay, 18%, 18%. Oh, man. It, they're going to start projecting it next time. So the, the, the obvious question I have is 
why this creep has happened. So we can whinge about it. And is it just a generational thing? And for the lack of a better expression, let's refer to them as millennials and the many or or Gen Zs, the, the people that are now working in the service industry have a higher and higher expectation for less and less work or is society offloading costs to the consumer uh, so they can so the business owner can pay them less because they know we can afford i suspect it's a little bit i i talked to a bartender uh, about this someone that i kind of casually know uh, and he said something interesting if you can't afford to tip you shouldn't go out and of course immediately i went well that's not true go fuck yourself. Like that's obviously <laughs> not, a, that's from your perspective. Uh, yes. Um, and so I'm interested on people's thoughts of what are the reasons this has creeped in? Is it offloading on us or is there something about the people you, that are working think, now versus when we were younger? Do you ever think part of it's less nefarious than that? And it's just software companies are doing this? Like it's gotten that much easier. Every The Quiznos person in Thompson maybe didn't even expect that people should be tipping more on their subs. And the Interact people came and said, hey, we can add this to your machine. Or we can, we can drop this little module into your app so that it's on there all the time. And they said, all right. Like like yeah. you say, oh, for sure. I'll, I'll, for sure. I'm, just, it's a I'm just throwing that out. And, and that's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Whereas before, like, would this have happened if we all still had to hand over cash every time yeah. and then you handed over whatever cash was in your pocket? Like, I don't know. And I do the least tipping of all of us for sure, just because of my lifestyle, right? I like what Les said though, Bruce, earlier too. Like, I like I agree that we've kind of become disengaged from the effect we have on the service. <laughs> like, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter, right? And that, that on principle is huge. The automatic response when people talk about tipping the quick well they make minimum wage right like so we're 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 helping that out like that's been the longest most common argument and then people that go to australia and live in canada will say immediately well we don't tip there because we pay our servers well and i think because that's a predominant argument i think that's part of the predominant part of the problem is that george is it are we offloading it yeah i think we have you know if restaurants paid their people better and we just elevated our expectations about how we treat people, this would be less of an issue, I think. And now it's gotten away on us like a lot of other things and it's become someone else's responsibility. Do you feel joy when you tip? I always feel joy when I give. Do you feel good about it? Because honestly, I'll say most of the time I do it out of a sense of duty. What Les was saying, like everybody else at the table is doing it, so I better, or, you know, like this is just, this is the societal expectation. But I don't, I, I don't know. Honestly, the last time I really left a tip and loved it. Yeah, there's times I feel so bad, Bruce. I've written the reason why I haven't given a tip. Like I've literally got the attention of the supervisor or I, I say, look, I have to. I don't want to leave here with what's known as a misattribution, mm-hmm. right? With what some server going, oh, look, this guy didn't tip like everyone else. Like I want to, mm-hmm. I, I usually write it out or I ask them to come back or I say to the supervisor, if they, you know, I just say, look, this is what happened and this is how much I'm tipping. And I need you to know that, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. maybe that's my semblance of control us back into the back into the mix because you, yeah, you want to participate. How do you know? Yeah. Right? You don't, Bruce. I I think that's a great question because it comes back to what I was was saying earlier. I think I used to feel joy when I gave a good tip, and I no mm-hmm. longer do because now mm-hmm. it's just expected. And so that whole interaction, right? That mm-hmm. whole silent negotiation, right? That happens prior to the tip. It is a negotiation, right? Like it's an art, a great service industry professional works you for a great tip. And at the end, you're like, dude, you've earned this, right? And you feel good about it. You take that away. It's just a different manner of payment. It's very true what Steve was saying, you know, people go overseas and say, or people who don't like to tip will say, oh, well, you shouldn't have to tip. You know, you go to Europe and you don't even tip. And well, yeah, there's lots of countries where those service industry professionals are paid a much higher wage and the expectation of earning tips isn't factored into their economy, right? And you have to take a step back from that and say, look, it's not at the individual level. It's not like this jerk just expects to be tipped. It's like (laughs) the whole economy that we've set up here has enabled and has an expectation. Like 
if you're a person who needs a job of earning X a month to pay your bills, okay, I can get this job in this restaurant. And the expectation is on a shift, I will make Y dollars. And 50% of that is going to be in tips. If people go in and just don't tip, you're whole economic model for your life starts to crumble, right? The the boss hired you and said, I'm going to pay you this much an hour and you're going to make average this much in tips and shifts that, you know, that's what should be your expectation. You can't change that overnight, right? Like society has to like, yes, you're, you're completely right. What Steve was saying, those businesses have offloaded employee cost onto us, right? Yeah. I don't have to pay my employees 20 bucks an hour. I'll pay them eight bucks an hour and they'll make 12 bucks an hour in tips. So that's great for me as a business owner. So they've offloaded that onto us. If we just immediately stopped, you're not really just screwing that business owner. You're screwing that employee and you're, you know, there'd have to be a big transition. Like there has to be a big ripple down effect through society and minimum wage, you know, expected wage. It takes a while for all that to, to kind of run through. It is like a bigger picture question, right? If you'd say, well, we just shouldn't have to tip these people this much. Well, okay, well then we'll they'll have to earn more. Right? So Les, since you're the the business owner of our group, like the one that's have the most employees and the longest business, has that job then changed in our lifetime where I think it would be fair to say a service industry job would be considered an entry-level job in your life, in your career. What has happened is that there's a larger percentage of our population that now counts on service industry to be their job. And that might, I'm sure there's a complicated answer to that. Uh, the, de, you know, the de-skilling of our population, uh, the mass immigration, which is overall good for us, but they have to start. So now you have 30, 40, 50 year olds entering a service industry job. Whereas mm -hmm. back in the day, like my daughter who has now a job uh, at a restaurant, uh, you know, she's 17 and she's just excited that she gets $20 of tips. I hope she's not mm -hmm. in that job when she's 47, but there's a lot of older people coming into the workforce, net migration being one of the reasons. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are other reasons that now we're kind of compelled to help out those people. Well, what do you think about that? If, if, if she, she likes it and, it and she has, has a good life, life, I hope she's still there when she's 47. Or... <laughs> <laughs> she's fucking not living with. <laughs> George is laying down the law. <laughs> I'm not saying she's living with you, but. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what the nugget of the question in that, in that was to me. Um, older I've... and older people are in service industry jobs. Whereas when we were growing yeah. up, that was, okay. that wasn't the case. I would disagree with that point. I think that's, there have always been, um, I think what you're missing there is there are entry-level service jobs and then there are professional-level service jobs, right? And I, I used to have a, had a friend who used to always say what pissed him off about tipping was, if you go to a, a restaurant, good restaurant, you're there for quite a while, the food is good, but it's an inexpensive restaurant, right? And your tab is 80 bucks and you tip your 20%, so now you've got a $16 tip. And the next day, you go to another restaurant, spend the same amount of time, same amount of service coming to and from your table, same number of courses, but it's a very expensive restaurant. So now you've spent $500 on that meal and you still tip 20%. His argument was always, the waiter has done the exact same service. He's carried from the kitchen to my table back and forth the exact same number of times. I shouldn't have to tip that guy more than you know the guy in the expensive restaurant more than the guy in the inexpensive restaurant. My counter argument to that is even in the service industry, there should be the opportunity for career advancement. So you start off, it's easy to get a job as your daughter gets a job, you know, in a restaurant that's probably low cost and she's making 20 bucks in tips. If she chose to be a professional server over the course of her career, she would go to better and better higher end restaurants. Eventually, she's doing white glove service, five star dining. She's in a Michelin star restaurant and she's making $500 a shift in tips because she's had career advancement. And I think that should exist. When you go to a very good restaurant, you don't expect to have a 17 year old person who's their third day on the job, you know, coming to talk to you about the wine list. You expect to have, you know, someone that is apropos of how much you're spending. Who's been there for 40 years. Uh, yeah. The guy at 529. 
I think so one of the big points we're missing, and we often do because we don't have the time to delve deeply, and you guys know I'm a out-of-the-closet socialist, <laughs> is that we don't pay servers more because we don't value them and because someone else will pick up, someone else will pick it up somehow, some way, right? And I think, Les, you're right, it has to, you can't, we can't just stop tipping because it's going to affect the wrong people. Mm-hmm. It's going to have a negative impact on the, on the livelihood of the people that are on the front line like usual, right? And I think as humans, George, you said teenagers are stupid. I think as humans, we're stupid. I think that, you know, it's not until we're in a pinch where we all of a sudden value certain people. And the second that the stress is gone, we're like back to comfortable in the service industry, especially like a lot of others, is we we allow certain people to make a really good living on the backs of other people. That's that's the basis of our entire economic system. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah, 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 for sure. I hate to for put sure, it but, that but, bluntly, but that's that's just the reality. I think we're going to a time in the world where we have to start asking or encouraging or forcing the people that have more to do with a little bit less. Sure. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, you're I, not like, alone. You're not alone yeah. in that thinking, yeah. Steve. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to, it's not going to work. I, I don't disagree with you. It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> start a revolution. <laughs> Well, I have to. I have got about five minutes left, guys, and I have to, to hop. So, do you have a tipping story? And the other question I just wanted, and I think we all know the answer to this, but have any of us worked in a job where you got tips? Like, I've I've never sort of worked for tips, if you want to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you like have any of you guys like were you on the other side of this? Yeah, I've worked in the kitchen both times. Uh, a chicken chef when I was a you know younger, and okay. then also at Spiro's restaurant over there in um, Riverside. And I got to from the back, sometimes when they were short on servers, like I loved it. I was, you know, I knew that I would get, like I would would get tips because I was funny and I was fun and stuff. And it was awesome. I was getting really good tips. And I was like, I didn't want to go back to the kitchen. But that was at the time when all the servers in both of those places were females. And there's this thing about, well, we shouldn't have guys serving. And I was like, man, I made like, and this was back in whatever, 1990, right? ninety two that I made $150 in a six hour shift. Hmm. And I was like, holy crap. I'm going to do this forever. You missed your calling. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You should call Zara right now and give her some, give her her some hints. Cause Les, I still think the magic's there. Cause you know, when we're out, you know, and George, you and I, I'll say, I'll even say to Catherine, like, I love this server. Like I'll say, I love this server. Marty, the guy at your wedding, Les, wasn't that his name? That the, the Friday night guy. Oh yeah. That super flamboyant dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nice, yeah, the nice for the wedding. Yeah. What is your name? You are uh, serving here at Eastside Social. Yes. You my, are. My name is Marty. Marty and Marty, you've been fucking awesome. By the way, you're like spectacular. Thank you. So when you look around the room tonight, who do you think is gonna get COVID when they leave? Jesus. Like, like anybody? Aggie. You notice, Aggie. Like, Aggie's gonna get COVID because she's from Texas. And oh, she's okay. not, oh uh, She's not ready for with the, the hat on. The yeah. Hat on. Yes, it's so called Sherlock so Cheek. Aggie slash Allie, right? Uh, yeah. Is it Allie? It's Allie. Is it Allie? That's okay. Oh my God! It's slap my face. Code. Yeah, absolutely. Love that guy. And you're right, Steve. It becomes a magical part of the experience, Yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Your server is a huge part of your enjoyment of, of the service, and yep. uh, it's an important part. Alex wanted me to talk about the other indication, which is when you tip in a restaurant, because she's, she's worked in some high-end restaurants making desserts when she got out of culinary school. Hated it. Didn't last very very long. But she was pointing out that, you know, most restaurants have a tip pool of some point and it's split up a bunch of, of amongst a bunch of different people. But every restaurant is completely different. Mm-hmm. Everyone makes their own rules and uh, you never really know where your, your tip is going. So we don't have time to get into that. Only one time did I work in a job where I made tips and it was a very brief period of time where I was working at the Fort Gary Hotel delivering room service. I worked for one month doing food and beverage stuff at the Fort Gary Hotel and delivering room service 
is an awesome way to make tips. You get five bucks every time. This was in, I don't know, yeah, like something like 92 or something, Steve. And I would literally run. As soon as you drop the food, I would race back down to the kitchen to beat the other guy back down there to get the next order because it's a tight window, right? It's like from from like seven to 10 in the morning. You only got three hours. You just <laughs> rip up and down as fast as you could, run down the stairs, skip the elevator, like trying to get as many breakfast orders in and everybody would tip you five bucks and that's it. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. The one tip I ever got in my life was from Tony Little Less when I delivered those <laughs> cigars or whatever to the airport to him. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and it was a good tip. It was a hundred American dollars. That was yeah. There you like, go. For the, you the go. one tip in my life, that's uh, yeah. That that was a beauty. It was all downhill from there, so I didn't do it. Uh, you know the you know the best tip you got on Tony Little mm. was when I told you charge him five times more than you think is the highest number you could ever it's charge true. this guy when he asks you what he owes you. <laughs> that was the best tip. That was the, that was the best tip. That was the best tip. You got tipped twice, Bruce, in the same tip, right? Yeah, I did. But I was going to, didn't George, you worked, George, you bartended for a while, didn't you? Yeah, that is going to be my tipping story. So two, two, two comments. I think when Steve worked at Chicken Chef, him and Mighty might have been solely responsible for putting that business out because of how many free pizzas he threw out the back door. So I know you might have been wonderful in one business, but you you crushed another. Um, so my 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 favorite tipping story is uh, that a bartending story, only because of how it's the end result of that job. So I had always wanted to be a bartender, probably because uh, several of my friends were bartenders. A little shout out to Gerald. And so while I was in my residency, so in the 90s, I had always wanted to become a bartender. And uh, Sean and I used to go, uh, a buddy of mine from med school, to the Shark Club. I think we've all been to the Shark Club in Winnipeg one time. And I basically lied to them about my experiences bartending. And they hired me while I was doing like a dermatology rotation. And uh, I, I, I bartended for a month. And obviously I didn't do it for the money. And I remember we were getting tipped out. We were giving, I was getting my tips and I don't know how much money it was, but the, the manager at the time, who was the former girlfriend of Sean, that's how I got that job. She gave me the money. And as she was giving me the money, she said the following words, which are one of the funniest things I've ever had as an exit interview. She goes, you know, George, it's almost like you've never bartended before. <laughs> and, and i did the same thing i started to laugh and i took the money i go of course i've never bartended before and she went george why would you tell me that you bartended before i go well it's on my bucket list i always wanted to be a bartender and she goes so you're a medical resident like you're a physician and you're like bartending in December over and, and anyways. So that's how I got fired. <laughs> so I got fired getting tipped out of my job. And I'm all like, oh, okay, didn't work out. <laughs> so that's not really a story about tipping. It's just a great story about tipped. you getting fired. <laughs> For lying to be about being a bartender. Correct. So remember, but, kids, if you've got a bucket list and you want to make money for a short period of time, just lie. lie, about, lie, lie about <laughs> just lie. make it till you make it, George. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that Steve and Gerald and many other people took advantage of that one month. Yeah, I did. I was there a couple times. <laughs> I get a lot of stiff sad tipping story also has to do with the uh with the spin the machine around so this was just before christmas time i went to get my hair cut and it's this lady elena who's moved here from the ukraine and uh it, it was just a great haircut right she seemed genuinely excited about how it turned out like she kept kind of look, looking in the mirror with this big smile and you know said man we did such a really great job of this haircut so after it was over i got a picture with her and, and like the whole place was like, oh, that's cool. You guys got a picture. And I was like, man, this was so great. I get up to pay and they spun me the machine and I couldn't read it because I didn't have my glasses. Like the machine was just an absolute <laughs> blur. So I thought I gave her the max tip and I gave her zero. Right. So I left. And then when I got home, I was like, you know, I really couldn't read the machine. I checked. I was like, 
oh my God. <laughs> I took a picture of everything and then tipped her zero dollars. <laughs> You're an asshole. I'm awful. And I said to Marnie Kay, I'm going to take her some cookies. I'm going to go back there, something. And then of course I never got around to it. And now I need another haircut. So I don't know what I have to show. I don't know what I have to show up with at that store wow. to not get like a reverse mohawk because it's going to be yeah. bad. <laughs> You're gonna. You're walking out of there with one side of your head shaved. My advice is go in with the tip. Go in with the cookies and and acknowledge yep. what you did and yep. say, "Hey, I realized that I didn't tip you You're right. on the last time." Yep. You got to fall on your sword early there. I I do for sure. Don't wait till the haircut's over. <laughs> that actually reminded me because I was going to say I I can't think of a good tipping story, but that reminded me of a time I was in a in a restaurant maybe ten years ago or so. Pay the tab, you know, settle up with the waiter. Yeah, the person I was with went to the washroom, and I'm sitting there waiting for them to come back. And the waiter comes over and he just goes, hey, um, I, I, you know, I, I just wanted to ask you, uh, what, what was it about my service that you didn't like? And I'm like, what? what are you talking about? He's like, well, I like, was, was something wrong? Like, uh, like, no offense, but people usually tip. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And I had done the same thing. I had I thought I tipped him, right? I had accidentally tipped zero and not known it. And the guy had the balls to come up and say, like, hey, I was just wondering, like, you know, he did it very smoothly. Like, what could I do better? You know, like, yeah. how, how can we make this a learning experience for me, right? Yeah, when nice, literally magical. what he was saying was like, dude, what the fuck? Get off your wallet. Right? Yeah. But I yeah. had mistakenly zero tipped the guy. And I was like, oh, Jesus, don't bring the machine back. Let me, you know. And then, of course, I probably tipped him way more than I would have otherwise because yeah. I was embarrassed, right? Well, you, but, probably yeah. a, you probably respected that. Like, I mean, that's, that's gutsy sure, yeah. on two levels, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, and gutsy, he played gutsy, it well, right? Gutsy yeah. to play a tip if that's your intention, but exceptionally gutsy if you really want to learn what you know what happened <laughs> yeah. uh, chase the customer down yeah yeah that's, that's right. impressive the first time i was in australia and the first time i went to the sydney opera house to the opera bar george right which is just incredible right and i was there uh, early on a friday afternoon uh and i it was my first time there and i was still just like just this is amazing right and i walked up to the bar beautiful beautiful and I was like, wow, this was such an amazing experience. I was, I, it was after work, I ordered a Peroni. It was on tap, right? And I love Peronis uh, out of the keg. Yeah. And it was an, like, I was just, this is awesome. And I, I remember I had $5 or something and uh, he, gives me, he gives me the beer and I'm like, awesome. And I, and I, uh, I, I, <laughs> I didn't know where to put it. Right. And I'm going, uh, and he's looking at me like just really weird. And I go, uh, can I give this to you? And he wouldn't touch it. He reaches down, <laughs> grabs a saucer, like a little bowl, and puts it out like this. And I drop it in and I go, <laughs> I go, and it just like, it looks so silly. It looked like it was a little paper in the bowl. And then he, he just puts it like at the, on the bottom shelf, like just on the very bottom shelf and then walks away. This money is dirty. It will not be touched. <laughs> I had no idea what the heck just happened until I was talking to my, you know, my good friend, Pam, my sister. Um, and I'm like, well, I don't know. She goes, oh, we don't tip here. Randomly insulting to the guy. <laughs> he just had no idea. Like, he had just no idea. And he put it on the very bottom shelf. If there was another shelf below the shelf that he put it on. And the look he had was just, like, what are you, like, why are you doing this? Like, what's happening here? So and, such an yeah. odd story because Australia is such an international yeah, mm, yeah. location yeah, yeah. that he would be insulted about that. I remember, I guess a, a similar story is when I took my mom and my kids to Portugal after my dad passed away, we went to this awesome sardine place that I ended up going back several times. And I wanted to uh, give the guy like 10 euros and everybody in my family said, Oh, George, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're going to leave him. You, you basically leave whatever the, uh, the coins are left over and you always take back the paper money. So if they, if they always give it mm -hmm. in a little bowl, like a little saucer, say this mm -hmm. is all the paper plus all. So the standard in Europe would be you just leave the little yeah. chain. Many countries are like that. Yeah. And uh, and I said, uh, no, no, no. I, I want to show my gratitude. Uh, and I felt, you know, it was a very special moment with my kids and my mom and extended family. And then they sort of understood it. My aunt stood up, went and talked to the owner who was also the cook. And his mother was working, so the owner's mother, because I knew the food was amazing. And uh, she made a point of explaining while I was tipping. Like, because they couldn't, they, they didn't understand. Because yeah, it was yeah, a cool, very, cool. so that's that, cool. So it, it is, like, it is odd, 
that us like Sydney Opera House, one of the most recognizable places on earth. Yeah, like yeah. he might have assumed you were American. Could have been layered like that too, because I also learned why nobody talked to me for the first half day while I was there, and it was funny. And then I tested it out and said, once I said I was from Canada, several people started talk, <laughs> talking to me. Right? And like it, 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 in in the rural part of uh, just outside of Sydney, I know that's a real that's the real deal. Uh, if they think you're American, uh, there's a lot of chips on their shoulder. Mm. But you know, it's interesting, George, because I thought about that a lot. It felt like forever that I was holding this thing, you know, and he was just staring at me. And later on though, in most of the bars though, you know, is, is the change jar, right? Like you don't actually, in most pubs, you don't actually give them the money. You drop it in the jar, mm. which often has water in it. And I asked, well, why does it have water in it? Because people are less likely to take it. To run. reach in and try to get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's right. Smart. Like, like I remember yeah. going, how come that's full with blue, blue water? Yeah. Right. And they're like, well, because people like to just take it and run. <laughs> George, you've had two of the best quotes in this pod so far. So first of all, your daughter called you and told you that she needed to see a doctor, not knowing that you are a doctor. And now you just said, we went to the greatest sardine place. That just doesn't, <laughs> you don't hear that every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. If it is that, maybe I will end it because uh, I know Steve has yeah. to. I got about two go. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm glad that Bruce brought up the concept of joy uh, in tipping because what you're doing is a kind, like an act of kindness to somebody and showing appreciation. I have, despite my grumpiness, have started to enjoy again because now I'm purposely not tipping especially like mm -hmm. for coffee shops and groceries. Like I'm not talking about going to a restaurant, obviously I'm still tipping there, but I think it's come full circle, especially more senior servers who were starting to realize the bad consequences of this creep. So I've had quite positive experiences in the last few months and I have re-experienced joy in tipping them. And what I do is I tip them cash. I never tip it out. I'm, I, I, I carry money all the time. I, I feel uncomfortable if I don't have $200 in my pocket that I got that from my dad. And a lot of people think it's weird that I carry money is I give them the money into their hands so they don't have to share the tip right at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And I can see uh, th that, that I have experienced joy again. And that's when people are trying. So I do, I have enjoyed tipping again, even though we're talking about how shit tipping is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm positive. Be, no, that is a great, good grumpy old man. I'll be curious to see if the world starts to go like that, George. Like it would be interesting where, where it kind of fades back to tips or cash because there's more control mm. over where it's going and what's happening, right? It isn't just uh, some weird silent transaction that nobody knows where it's going or what's happening. Well, yeah, the, uh, Bruce, the biggest reason that, that it will is because every card transaction at a business is captured, mm. right? And the government knows how much... Uh, money you're making, you could get taxed on tips. That's why. That's why tipping cash is always good. Yeah, you know. Uh, just just before we sign off, Bruce, we should give a uh, a shout out to friend of the pod, Debbie Foster. Uh, she had a huge uh, business victory. Debbie, who I've told you guys before, best business operator I've ever okay. been around in my life. Not just because I love her as a friend, but she's an absolute phenomenal business person. Uh, she had a huge business victory last month, merged her company with another company, became the CEO of the combined company. Oh, so that's wow. awesome. And then as a uh, sort of a spinoff of these career changes... And I'm not going to say that it's because we allowed her to be the first guest host of our pod. This is amazing. This yeah. is fun. And I appreciate being, am I your first guest host? Yeah. You're the first guest host of the pod. Okay. Well, then I'll go down in history. First guest host of the pod. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. 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 But she has actually come out with her own podcast now. No way. <laughs> She's our fucking competition. What the hell? So, <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, I can't remember the name of it. Welcome to the Powerful Leaders No Apologies podcast, the show about women who are ready to own their power and change the world. My name is Debbie Foster. And I'm Beth Thompson. Our guests are fierce and fabulous women who are making a difference in their personal and professional communities. Are you ready to be inspired? If so, stay tuned and also check out our website at affinityconsulting.com forward slash powerful leaders. Here's the show. You know, the tens of thousands of listeners she probably already has who will come and listen to her. I'm sure there's a lot of crossover with the, you know, 
people who like to listen to us tell the tens fart of jokes and of jackass <laughs> Yeah. No, there's a there's a natural audience there for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you know, like I said, it's not just because we uh we gave her the leg up, but we gave her the leg up. You better be telling her that. Yeah, I want. I'm gonna. I'm gonna text. I, might, I think I have her her contact. So I hear you've got a pod dip. Yeah, <laughs> we're coming for you. We're coming for you. We're coming for you. <laughs> It's almost like an end credit scene. After I do the thank yous, there's a bit on the Norplex pool. If you don't care about the pool, sign off now. Honestly, there's nothing else in there. If you're mildly interested, we've got six more minutes for you. You guys are my best friends. Thick and thin. We've always been together. Thanks to the rest of our team, social media Todd, producer Mike, and the secret weapon, Shannon Krentz. Best friends are we. I love you guys. The Norplex pool might actually happen. Like what? I know. We got it, it done. <laughs> we got it done. Pat ourselves on the back. I was uh, standing talking to our mayor last weekend, killing time before this little opening ceremony thing. And she just said, yeah, I'm in strategic planning right now. And we're debenturing the money to build the pool. She said, like, they, we can't tender it and all that unless all the money's there. And we're still yeah, yeah. looking for grants and stuff like that. But the new city council is a little bit more progressive. And they just said, nope. Fuck it, we'll borrow the money and then we'll commit well, to chasing that is down what fantastic. we need. That's fantastic. I'm happy to hear that. Um, did I ever tell you about the the call I had with social media Todd? Well, he told he like I remember connecting you guys, but then I yeah. thought he didn't get his shit together. So he did actually talk to you. He did yeah, like many, many months later, he did eventually we connected and uh he called me and we chatted for about half an hour and he had all these questions about um how to tap into like guys like george and i right like how how can mm-hmm. i like some piece of this financing puzzle we're hoping to raise from like thompson alumni right like and you know how can i find and i gave him a bunch of good ideas i've never heard from him again and uh i i've, I've been like at, once i hung up the phone i was like oh fuck next time i hear from that guy he's going to be asking me to open my checkbook <laughs> i've never heard from him so i'm happy to hear the mayor tell you that the project is going forward <laughs> without uh getting an awkward phone call from george yelling at me saying what the fuck why did you tell hardwood hardwood that i would write a check for five thousand dollars for the pool <laughs> which i would yeah well yeah, I, I would too i'm waiting to hear back from him but I was super yeah. shocked when she told me that because you're right. Like, I still feel like the momentum, like I sort of had a, a big, long, half drunken conversation at Christmas with the, um, one of the people who Todd had tapped to do just local events, like bake sales, yeah, like yeah. basically oh, awareness yeah, yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I had said to her, I'll help you. I won't work at the bake sale, but I'll help you promote these things. Like I'll be your face, yeah, yeah. you know, on the TV and radio and Thompson and then never heard back from her at all. And same thing like Todd. And, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like great. We're going to debenture the money, and we're just like we're just going to take out a loan and pay for it, right? As soon as yeah, as soon yeah. as the the ground is broken, nobody like now you guys aren't giving money. You're like, well, <laughs> neither yeah. am I. Looks like, like you guys oh, have a plan. You don't need the, my money. The pool's getting built, and <laughs> I, I mean I I'm going to say... pay for it in my taxes anyway. So yeah, exactly. Right. And if it comes from you know probably. 50 or 70% of it will be federal grant money. So George mm-hmm. and I are paying it. Yeah, true, so, true. So we're all in. We're good, all in on this. I, I want to <laughs> say he told me it was 1.8 million. They were trying, like on top of the grant money, they were trying to raise from private okay. donations. They were going to try to raise 1.8 million. And that would include, you know, going to whatever Thompson Ford and all the places that yeah. were corporate donations or whatnot. And, but that they had some goal, maybe it was like 500,000 or something that they're going to try to get from, from personal from private kind of, donations. Yeah. And, you know, on a, whatever it is, $40 million project, that's the last half million dollars in. Right. So it'll, it'll probably come way down the road, but yes, some, somewhere. Well, yeah, you're right. Come I mean, to you for new seats, a new diving board, right? Right. Like that, that's the thing. It's a lot, you know, I think both George and I a little different for me because it's so like personal, Right. but George would have been a lot more willing to say, I want there to be a pool, so I'll put up money. Then he will be to say, "Well, the pool's built. Okay, you hit me up for a little bit of money, so you get a nicer <laughs> fucking diving board." Yeah, it's like, okay, I'll give you a little bit of money, but if it's not instrumental to the project, either going forward or not, he'll probably give less money. Sure, all unless of us, all of us will, right? Like, unless, unless we could have one of the uh, swim 
what a little platform that they they jump off yeah like they should starting they should blocks. sell plaques the starting block they should <laughs> well sell yeah that, that's the only thing you know that's how you get a guy and i told harwood that yeah. that was one of the things i told him i'm like look you need to sell naming rights on stuff mm-hmm. yeah like if you want like i don't know who the wealthiest thompson, thompson. alumni in our generation are uh-huh. but you know high wealth guys like that they want to write a check they want their name on something and he's like yeah we're trying to figure out we'll have like a donor board and and this and that and like yeah i I have no faith in all of that like those are all good ideas and every but i and none of them are gonna happen none of them are gonna happen (laughs) i mean i hope i'm wrong it sounds like the pool's getting built too but yeah but sure it's like like it 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 seems petty but it's cool like it's cool for me to know when i go like i the biggest charity that i donate to is the hospital where sammy had went for rehab after he lost his leg, uh, West park rehab center here in Toronto. And they're building a huge new facility. It's been like a, it's probably like a two or $300 million project, right? It's been going on for years. Um, but it's cool to know. I see where my name is on the donor board. Mm -hmm. And when you walk in, it'll be one of those things. When you walk into the, in the lobby, there's going to be a big wall and my name, I'm fucking not at the top, but there's a little spot (laughs) for guys like me. My name will be like mine and Alex's now it'll be like the Hansons, right? Mm -hmm. Right. It a will little, be the smallest on one the on the concert poster for Coachella, right? Like I love how the band's <laughs> Foo Fighters yeah. and then at the bottom, yeah. like you yeah. know, the, the, <laughs> the flaming pig. Three days from Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love Bruce. Uh, I'm, I'm going to head out soon too. I like that in your conversation, you had said, look, I'm not going to work a bake sale <laughs> for you, but I'll do this other stuff. How ingrained bake sales are in our psyche <laughs> for as a fundraiser as yeah. a fundraiser are they doing a event, bottle like, drive too yeah like the, like <laughs> if anytime somebody thinks about fundraising immediately my mind i don't say it out loud i go oh yeah we should have a bake sale yeah. <laughs> like you can sell all these one dollar cook and make yeah. 40 dollars in the church parking lot <laughs> yeah. That's a, it's, it's 60 dollars worth of product to make 40 dollars <laughs> <laughs>